What you are about to hear is a glimpse into the past, before the apocalypse, an episode recorded before the quarantine. So please enjoy what you're about to hear inside by yourself. the Lunatics Radio Hour. I'm Abby Branker, and as always, this is Alan Kudan. Hi. And we have, again, a returning guest, Dan Roberts, with us today. Dan Roberts, welcome back. Thank you so much. We are big fans of Dan Roberts here. We talked about how big a fan you guys are of me last time. (laughs) Yeah, every time. Let's rehash. Makes Dan uncomfortable. (laughs) No, no. I love it. It makes me really try and deliver. Oh, good, good. So check out episode 10, The Bridge, which also features Dan Roberts and one of my favorite stories that we've read on the podcast. So it's a good episode. Same here. That was a good one. Yeah, that was really awesome. Are we going to make that one to a film? (laughs) I don't know if we have the budget. Um, I can build, a, br- yeah, I can build a bridge. You can build a bridge. Yeah, like a model bridge. No, I was thinking like a real bridge, like a little tiny wooden one. I was actually just going to buy a two by four and put it over some water. Also, yeah, that, fair enough. It, yeah, yeah. Okay, great, cool, cool done. Uh, and also, definitely check out Dan's podcast from Alpha to Z, which he has with Avi Dobkin, who's also been on the show. They watch and review Power Rangers episodes. We, we've been on a little bit of a sabbatical, I will say. So so now's the time to catch up. It's an excellent time to catch up on... S- sabbatical or hiatus? I, I like the term sabbatical. Okay. It's a little more charitable. Okay. Uh, it's just we, one, So you're, you're coming back with all this new knowledge and fervor. Yes. Yeah, we, we want to leave the crowd with something to That's anticipate. good. That's good. Look forward to. And Dan, can you tell us the name of the homeless shelter where you work? So I work for Covenant House New York which is a uh, crisis shelter for uh, youth experiencing homelessness between the ages of 16 and 21. And uh, we do great work there. And um, I think in the last episode, we actually talked to, it can be a little bit of a spooky place sometimes, yep. but <laughs> not we, most more for the workers. We try to make the environment as friendly and safe for the kids as possible. Um, and not, not, not for the staff. Well, I, I I think in the last episode I had alluded to the fact that there's rumors about it previously having been a uh, prison, and I think I found out, or maybe I said it was a hospital, and it, but yeah. it actually used to be a prison. Yeah. Um, that is, according to my boss, true. Oh. It used to be a prison. Um, See, but we, on, on Lunatics Radio Hour, we do fact check. Oh, yeah. You just have to wait. You just have to keep coming back to get to the truth. But it is. It does not look at all like a prison anymore. It is. That's great news. Made yeah. to be <laughs> great news. Much more hospitable, and it is. It's quite nice. You know. Yeah, that's great. So definitely, um, if you guys are interested in donating to Covenant House, it's important. And Dan does really great charitable work there. So feel free to click the link below. Yeah, we'll we'll put a link. And if you live in a city um, that does a. Uh, that has a Covenant House. Um, we're all over the United States, New, uh, Canada, and Latin America. Um, we do these events called sleepouts, where we provide a lot of information about um, what we do and the work we're engaged in. And you actually do these breakout sessions where you get to meet some of the youth um, that participate in our programs. You learn a lot about the experiences they go through, and then you actually sleep outside for the night. Uh, I did. A sleep out last year that they held for young professionals in New York 
and it's really an awesome experience um and you do raise some money for the cause and it's a really awesome uh way to get involved with the organization if if you're looking for ways to get more involved cool yeah for sure um thank you dan for sharing all that that's awesome so we're gonna pivot hard and today we're talking (laughs) about cannibalism and wendigos cannibalism and wendigos yeah I mean, mostly focused on Wendigos, but cannibalism is a part of that. Oh, heavily. Yeah. So, yeah. why are you calling me out? I'm not. I'm just. It's like a circ- It's like a square rectangle kind Who of. Who doesn't love talking about Wendigos? Alan definitely does. Love the Wendigo. I think this might be something that most people don't actually know about. You know, it's what? not like a vampire or a werewolf. I think. I think it's more of like a niche supernatural creature. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Wendigo might not be an A-lister. Yeah. In terms of popularity sure. of supernatural beasts. Yeah. But he should be. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're here making the case, right? If, if I was going to pick, uh, if I was picking like my team yeah. of <laughs> of movie monsters. Yep. As you should. I think I might take a Wendigo over like a Frankenstein monster. So, okay. So you get your, your team of three. Okay. My who's, team who's, of three. Who's going on your team? You know, I actually <laughs> have a soft spot for the Krampus. The cr- Oh, good. Yeah, so I think we. the That's Krampus a is, a, is a scary creature yeah check uh, out our episode on krampus <laughs> episode five maybe probably the wendigo and then probably werewolves werewolves yeah, yeah. do you get one werewolf or a group of werewolves one you, 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 you get, get the wolfman yeah. okay and can he bite people and make like it, yeah if, if i got one were- people, make okay more. so yeah. he could turn i could get a pack does and the, a teen wolf in in, cla- <laughs> in, wolf. in classic wolfman yeah does the curse pass to the next person or does it expand i can't recall so in classic wolfman Mm -hmm. it originates as a curse right yep and it's passed you can either be cursed by like a gypsy Mm -hmm. or you can be bitten and survive the bite if you survive the bite you become a werewolf so it can expand there can be more than one okay but you have to survive the bite well it's like um harry potter same does, Kramp- does Krampus have any magic abilities? I might switch him out for like a witch. Krampus has tons of magic or, abilities. Or a warlike. Okay, so I'll stick Well, it depends on which version of Krampus we're talking about. Because the, the description. We're talking about the real version, the, the version that exists. The real version of Krampus, yes. Right. Okay. The one, that, the one that's listening to this podcast. That's right. Um, yes. Uh, it, what, in. If if you want, I don't want to get too much into it because you know this is about we, we discussed this intimately uh, on the Krampus episode, um, but Krampus is basically like a demigod mm-hmm. um, that can do all sorts of things, have so many like physical feats as long as as well as like magical powers and sorts of things. It it, it he's he's a very versatile guy. Okay, yeah, strong strong contender for the team. Is there any? Uh... Like, is, like, the Krampus have, like, the Grinch as, like, a henchman? Is there, like, a... Yeah, the... What's it called? Belschnickel. The Belschnickels, yeah. The oh, Belschnickels okay. are evil They're, elves. like, little elves, yeah. Oh. They're elves, but they dress up in, like, deer skins and whatnot and have spears and murder. It's Would that be offensive to the Wendigo? Would he get upset about that? Because he's um, got a little deer th- motif. There is a deer motif. I don't think the Wendigo gets offended. Probably ever. not. <laughs> 
No, too busy. And there wouldn't be a chance of the Wendigo eating any of my... Well, listen, we're, ta- we're talking... I don't know. I think there might be. The Wendigos are not like ones to be controlled. We're talking heavily about the Wendigo. Yeah, here we go. As we though everyone it. knows what the Wendigo right. is, and I think that's the case. It's not. So let's talk about what's <laughs> going to happen in this episode. So first, I'm going to explain to you what the Wendigo is and what Wendigo lore is. And then we're going to talk about a thing called Wendigo psychosis, which is actually a diagnosable mental illness. Sure is. And then we're going to read you, as we always do, a Wendigo-themed story. Well, Dan is going to read it to you. I'm excited. Yes. Um, can, I, can I ask a w- weird question? This is like fire away. So, Wendigo psychosis is it in the DSM. Do you know what the DSM is? No, like the Dictionary of Mental Illness. Yeah, like I don't know, we should look it up because they they publish it every couple of years. So we're on like the DSM five. So, Wendigo psychosis was widely. Well, let's get into it. Okay, at that yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, don't be sorry. And we'll fact oh, we're check just it. so excited to talk fact about Check it on the next episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep listening. Okay, so the Wendigo is a malevolent supernatural creature who is part of a traditional Native American belief system for certain tribes, many Algonquin speaking tribes specifically. It's associated with the deepest parts of winter when famine and starvation were common. The first thing you need to know is that the word Wendigo and the word cannibal are very closely aligned. So I want to give you guys a physical description of the Wendigo so that you can kind of picture it in your head as we go through. You could also, of course, feel free to Google it. But for those of you who are driving or walking or otherwise unable to Google, close your eyes and picture this. The body of a humanoid or the head of a bear or a deer with huge antlers. It's largely described as gaunt with bones pushing out against its skin it's dark gray in color and absolutely huge. It's said that when it eats someone, it takes on the size of what it consumed and grows by that much. So there's kind of two visual images of the Wendigo out there if you kind of like dig around. One is that of kind of like a really emaciated, terrifying looking human who has like gray skin and like they look like a demon human, like a zombie human, right? Mm. And there's also this other one where it's it's like half human, half animal, or the upper half of the head is like a buffalo or a deer and these huge antlers and so there's like multiple renderings of what this looks like and some people say they kind of start off as um the humanoid version and as they eat they like shift into this like more animal type you know so this is you can kind of choose your own adventure there as you're imagining this um i think a pretty apt description would be some like a eight foot tall like zombified werewolf Mm -hmm. and then you swap the head with a giant like buck so you get the sure. giant antlers but you're all zombified right but you're big and strong but very emaciated yeah exactly yeah, just picture that so essentially the idea is that it starts out as this human who's gaunt and starving and after it indulges in human flesh for the first time it turns into this monster figure who's never satisfied and always hungry for more it's the ultimate representation of greed essentially and gluttony the spin here is that In some belief systems, humans who are either infected by the Wendigo or embody greed can actually turn into a Wendigo. So it's kind of like the punishment. There are two bodies of thought uh, to explain why this myth was created by these tribes. One is that it acts as an allegory to warn against um, greed and overconsumption, especially during times of famine and starvation. So like, you know, you're a Native American tribe, right? And like... It's the winter, times are tough, you don't have access to food, you're, you know, like hunting is slow or whatever it is. The other body of thought is that it helps to explain away cannibalism that has happened. Like to say, yes, like we had to 
eat this person because this winter was so hard for us, but we only had to do it because it was the curse of the winter. You know what I mean? Like, so there's kind of like two spins and why it's so related to Native American culture because of like this starvation thing. And, you know, it could either have been an allegory or kind of like a, a way to explain or like relieve the guilt of it, if that makes sense. It's one of those things where like if I had, if I could time travel yeah, and like go in the way back machine. Like, find out the first time the Wendigo was mentioned, it's like, Bob's half-eaten. And you're like, oh, no. How did Bob get half-eaten? They're like, Wendigo. Wendigo. So, let's also now quickly talk about Wendigo psychosis. Wendigo psychosis is easily defined as mental illness that causes an insatiable craving for human flesh. So, again, the Wendigo psychosis is literally like if somebody is like a cannibal right or like identified as a cannibal they may like they may be identified or diagnosed with wendigo psychosis it's essentially being like the reasoning for why you feel like you can eat people i'm curious and the listeners i guess can can tweet at us or tweet at us instagram us however they get in contact with live tweet the, or email us at filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com. I, as a child, I don't think I was anxious about this, but I definitely had a preoccupation with concern that I might be, not a Wendigo, but some sort of cannibalistic creature. Tell only, us more, Dan. Yeah, but only you because, eating people? No, but I used to love, like, like skin, like, uh, of, like, any of, like, like animal that you eat like like chicken skin i sure. i thought it was the best part of the chicken it very well might be and but the other thing this is weirder and maybe maybe this is where i really uh <laughs> different I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo but i also used to love when my mom would make roast beef you know when you cut roast beef and like it's on it a, bleeds and it bleeds yeah i used to drink the blood <gasps> damn so, we always, have a wendigo in our mist i always thought that might be like a bad thing but I really liked it, so I didn't really care. Or you're a vampire. That pot, I mean, maybe. Skin, blood, ooh. I mean, it was cooked blood. <laughs> cooked blood. But is- these aren't human flesh. No, no. Yeah. This is more of lycanthrope territory. Yeah, you're just but a as carnivore. As a kid, you're barely conscious that, like, roast beef is like a cow. Oh, of course. Could just be You beef. thought it was a person. You carnivore. thought it could be a person. Maybe. If, if only. <laughs> yeah. Um, So anyway, Wendigo psychosis, as Dan has, is the less supernatural side of the Wendigo, literally serving as an explanation for cannibalism. Some think this psychosis is a cop-out for a moral slip. There's also a lot of controversy over this being called a mental... Sorry, eating a person is a moral (laughs) slip. (laughs) This is is actually... But no, listen, this is... Sorry, Dan. But this is... Yes, I would say like it's an ethics issue, right? If like the Donner Party or you're stranded... A lot thinking about this in terms of like the Native American relationship to the Wendigo, but thinking of cannibalism, right? You're stranded somewhere. Your best friend who has already died. Like what ethically, morally, what do you do? Do you survive? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's fascinating. I I would argue, and I'm glad we stopped at this point Uh because the moral (laughs) slip thing got me a little bit, I don't want to say confused, but like. If you're saying, listen, this person's got an unsatiable urge to eat human flesh, like that's not. No, but this is Wendigo psycho. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, it also ties into the, you know, pretty poorly documented phenomena of when 
uh, cannibalism exists, like when, when cannibalism um, happens, right? Someone ingests uh, human flesh for the first time. From that point onward, uh, they they crave it, mm-hmm. which is a trope that pops up in you know plenty of different movies. Um, but you know, a lot of these things still come back to something in reality. Where like once you indulge in it once. You keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it. And then they gave uh, a medical condition. Uh, they, they allotted an official medical condition called Wendigo Psychosis. Well, Alan, you were, we were talking earlier, actually, about this documentary that you were working on, right? And a woman or a show or something. And a woman had blood for the first time and then she kept getting sick right without it. Yes. She drank human blood. And then, like, no doctor could help her, and she had, like, physical illness. So, I mean, this was a narrative film. Um, However, it was based on a strong subculture that exists all over the U.S., but has a a strong base in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, And it's about these real-life vampires that uh, they have some kind of medical condition that science cannot explain, so they say. Um, And, but only by consuming human blood, uh, it alleviates all their symptoms. And this followed this one uh, woman who she had gone to doctors for, you know, year after year. No one could explain why she was always, um, like, just perpetually sick uh, until she discovered the subculture and just, out of ideas, let's try it, drank human blood, and all of her symptoms went away. Wow. Um, and not that she's really into the lifestyle, but she can't explain it. It right. makes her symptoms go away. So how often does she have to drink blood to keep the symptoms at bay? I th- uh, I don't remember the exact estimate. It was something like like once or twice a week. Is one of these symptoms like aversion to sunlight? Like uh, no, uh, it had difficulty no- looking at the cross. It no, it had nothing <laughs> like traditional vampire stuff, which I also felt was very interesting because well, some of the people in the subculture go full vampire, obviously. Mm. Um, but, like, no, she was just a perfectly normal person. That'd be, like, an interesting concept for a movie. that Like, vampires do exist, but, like, all the, the lore about it is wrong. So Right. <laughs> Other yeah. than the blood It's part, like true blood. Right. But, like, none of, the, so none of the things affect them, but, like, they do get, like, like colds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> Intense sinus infections. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, as we just demonstrated, there is a lot of controversy over calling um, Wendigo psychosis a mental illness because, A, most people believe that humans can be driven to cannibalism by extreme conditions, as we just talked about, and B, anyone who eats human flesh likely has a host of mental health issues. So it's, you know what I mean? So like, to just be like, it's not just like, oh, you have this mental health disease where you want to eat people. It's no, you're like largely like, Dealing with a whole bunch of other shit, like, you know, you're probably a psychopath, you're probably a narcissist, you're, you know, I'm not diagnosing anybody out there, but I'm saying, you know, the serial killers who do, like, eat people, there's a lot going on there. They're not just, like, they don't just have this one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a term that I don't think is, like, largely used, um, yeah. but it does have, like, an officialness to it. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting is that Wendigo psychosis kind of fell out of fashion in the medical world in like early 1900s yeah um because it was strongly tied to just um everyone in the uh the native american algonquin region yep um and then but as like they got more uh what's the political term for whitewashed 
gentrified. Thank you. Um, as they got more gentrified, there became other terms, other things. Right. Um, but before this, this was something that was more ingrained in their culture. Right. And who knows? Maybe this was some kind of genetic tie uh, that caused this. Right. Well, that yeah. I mean, that leads me right into my next point too, which is that um, the most believed rationale is that. Wendigo psychosis is more of a representation of mental health than cannibalism. In the winter months, the Algonquin would experience a sort of cabin fever and extreme hunger. And many think that this psychosis actually started as a fear of turning into a monster and cannibalizing those around them during those desolate times. So kind of like, right, but kind of like this fear of like, oh, there's rumor of this happening maybe with like other tribes or whatever in the past. And so you start to like doubt yourself and think that you could turn into this monster. Which I think is an interesting way to think about it. I think it's a very, like, if you lived in a society where, like, you don't have news, you don't have media, or at least not media in the way we think of it today, that, you know, you're you're stuck indoors most of the day, and you're just, like, around a bunch of people, and, like, the stories that you know from your life, one of them is that these people ate a bunch of people one time when they got <laughs> stuck in the cabin. Right. And, like, now you're experiencing the same thing. Right. And, like, everybody goes through this every single winter. Right. And you're you're so overwhelmed by the one story, like, the one movie, yeah. sort of, that you've seen in life. Yeah. Yep. Or been told, you know, through oral tradition. Totally. Like, then, yeah, of course you'd be fixated on it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be terrified of people eating you? All I know is that the Wendigo is such a cool myth, creature, folklore. Everything about it is just like super fun. Yeah. Um, and I wish it was more prevalent. There's a few movies. Like, yeah, I was just going to say, we watched a few movies. We did. Do you remember uh, what they were called? One was just called Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, another was Ravenous. Ravenous. That Yeah, that one I would suggest. Ravenous was cool. Yeah. The, the mythos in that movie is that... By consuming human flesh, this takes place during the Civil War, by the mm-hmm. way. If by consuming human flesh, you do get the curse of the Wendigo, meaning you have to perpetually consume more human flesh. However, you get superpowers. Oh. And the they more like human teleport. flesh, well, the, the more human flesh that you eat, the stronger you get until you're like a little demigod. I think that if more people thought like if that was like a like an established thing people would be trying it way more often oh yeah it's like they in this movie they're doing it as like a, this is we got the best kept secret you know it's like is, yeah, it's one quick one quick tip to win the war in the yeah is it, in the movie is it like this is the south's last chance no uh, it's it no it's this is like i, I remember it well obviously it's winter because all windigo stories happen during the winter mm-hmm. and it's some isolated fort yeah, it's like these guys in like a camp and like they're traveling. They're, I think they're like traveling soldiers essentially like trying to meet up with a bigger troop or something. And, and then this thing descends upon them there. Right. And there's also the suspicious like, oh, I'm the one survivor from my my group. Yeah. It's like, well, no, g- guess what? Fucker, you're a Wendigo. We know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He was like, you oh, see those here. antlers <laughs> under that hat. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. It's, yeah. Come on. And that one. You're trying to fool. The Wendigo is portrayed as like a human who can like teleport. So he just looks like a normal guy. Mm. That's one thing to note. There's also someone famous in that movie as like a side character, but I can't forget who it I is. I don't remember the cast. I just remember it was... There was, there was like, oh, that guy. Yeah, like it might, it's not Sam Rockwell, but somebody like Sam Rockwell. Norman? No. <laughs> it's not Norman Rockwell? No, it's not. Well, I guess is isn't really related to Wendigos, but you guys were talking about like the vampires in Brooklyn and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's, do you guys remember the case of the cannibal cop from Brooklyn? No. 
this was like I lived in New York and it was after college, but it was so it was like in the last I don't know ten years I guess. Before but, before you tell the story, I would yeah. just like to throw out there like I, I like I, I said earlier that I work at a homeless shelter and like my relationship with cops is like not great. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, if they're if I find out that they're eating people, uh-huh. like this is gonna do tons of damage <laughs> to my impression. Well, of this cops. is one guy. This is one guy <laughs> that but, we know of. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. So anyway, this cop, um, I remember him being kind of young, but he was like a NYPD officer, like full fledged. He might have even been like kind of like high up somehow. And if you Google it, you'll find out all the actual information. And the thing is, like he had Googled, like, he, they got him before anything happened, kind of like a minority report situation, because he was Googling how to cook human flesh. How to, and he was like talking to women online, like. And like talking to, I think like other groups like in a Reddit or something similar to like a Reddit, like maybe a 4chan about how they do it and how they kidnap women and how they like cook people. And so he had like reached out and he was having all these active conversations and they essentially, and he had like, that, I think. That's insane. Yeah. And they had, he had, I, there was some triggering like moment where like he was about to meet up with someone and they got him or whatever. But anyway, they, he, they arrested him before anything happened. And so his whole defense was that just like a kink for him, you know, it wasn't something that he like was really going to do it was, but they, so I don't remember how the case actually played out, but I remember when I heard that and I just like moved here and I was deeply like affected, like very, very concerned about the whole thing. Like it was like, what the fuck? Like the police force here are fucking cannibals. Like, what is this? I mean, why the heck is he, Googling this and searching this. I mean, he was going to do it. Like, half the fun is the experimentation. Alan, stop it. (laughs) But I will say, like, when you become a cop, like, you have to go through, like, a lot of, like, background check. And, like, part of that is, like, a mental health exam. Yeah. And you have to get, like, a psyche valve done. And it's just right. You have to check the box. I do not eat people. But it's just wild that, like, you wouldn't. And I, I don't actually think they do this. Maybe they do, and I'm being um, willfully ignorant. But, like, you should have to do that every year. Like, make sure things right. haven't changed. Yeah. Because well, if you like get a psyche valve one year. Same if you're a gun owner, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. This would have been a very interesting episode of How to Catch a Predator. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, like, makes you think of that because it's, like, this preemptive strike that they did, you know? Right. I think they let him go. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that show. I had yes. I had to watch it one time when I was in high school for uh, like a law class I was doing when we were learning about entrapment. But <laughs> they, well. they but they like show you like the like text conversations that they have, and I think that would be like a very funny sketch to have of like the law like the cop being like, "Hey, I can't wait to eat you today." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> Well, to be clear, the the women he was talking to didn't know. That's right. That that's she right. was going to be eaten. Really? Yeah. That mm. takes. I mean, that's that's some good acting then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, Dan, do you want to read a Wendigo theme story? I do, but I want to get one last joke in. Okay, I, great. Now I'm thinking of the cop doing like a tax Avery Looney Tunes kind of like he's looking at the person and they turn into like a chicken <laughs> like drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. Dan is going to read a Wendigo-themed story that I wrote for this episode. And it is called The Northeast Kingdom. The Wendigo, written by Abigail Bringer, read by 
Dan Roberts. She was out of breath. She could barely keep walking. She stumbled to her knees into the snow. The sun was starting to dip under the tree line. Karen! Again, she heard her name called out. The wind was carrying the sound. She couldn't figure out where her friends had gone. She'd gotten separated from them when she went to relieve herself. She'd been chasing the calls for hours, but she couldn't connect with them. Tears were freezing as they dropped from her eyes. It hurt to blink. It hurt to move at all, but the snow was so cold. Please, Karen screamed. I'm right here. Please, I can't keep... Her voice gave out. She punched the snow in frustration. Karen! The ethereal voice called for her again. Why couldn't she just find them? They seemed so close. She kept thinking about the warm fire, the marshmallows they had bought at the grocery store in town. This wasn't supposed to happen. She kept thinking back to the moment she wandered off. If only she hadn't gone alone. They had a buddy system in place, but... One can of Bud Light and she was overconfident. It's not funny, she cried. Please. She sat on her knees and sobbed for a moment. She didn't even notice the dark figure as it silently crept towards her. And then all was black. She could feel her consciousness slowly coming back to her before she could see anything. She could feel that her arms were tied down. So were her legs. She was cold, but she felt the heat of flames licking her face. She could hear the crackling of a fire. She opened her eyes. She screamed. There was a man standing before her. He looked like a man, but he didn't look human. His skin was gray and gaunt. She could see his bones through it. His face was inches from hers. Drool was pooling in his lips and dripping down his chin. She wanted to throw up. There was evil in his red eyes. He had scraps of hair on his head and body. If she didn't know better, she'd have thought he'd returned from the dead. He looked more like a reanimated corpse than a human. She could hear her name again. The whispering wind surrounded her with, Karen, Karen, Karen. She yelled out, I'm here. Please help me! I'm right here! And then she fell silent. She watched his lips as he called out Karen, Karen. The soft sound didn't match his cruel exterior. You, she stammered. He had lured her away from her friends. She looked around, frantic for a, a way to escape. There was a small fire next to her and nothing else except what looked like bones. She started to thrash, pushing hard as she could against her bindings. There was definitely a pile of bones. They looked like human femurs, human ribs, skulls, totally clean of any flesh that ever clung to them. She twisted and turned. She screamed at the top of her lungs. Spit flew from her lips as she screamed. She clawed at the air, desperate for escape. He laughed. He started on her left hand. Her body was numb from the cold. Even still, she felt the excruciating teeth as they dug into her warm body. 
her blood was thick and dark. Soon, her screams faded into the same wind that lured her there. Dan, it is always such a pleasure to hear you read. It is, truly is. Is there anywhere I should go over? I feel like I... No, Dan, you did a wonderful just job. Just want to make sure. That's amazing. I love your voice. My, I, uh, I was recently at my cousin's wedding, and I did a reading. And uh, I would like to read a little poem called The Wendigo. <laughs> <laughs> I read one of Abby's short stories. Uh, we did not pay her for it. <laughs> no, the, um, I actually read a poem by uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, that he wrote damn. for his wife. Um, and the, I had it like queued up at the rehearsal um, just in case. And I went up and uh, read it uh, out loud uh, during the rehearsal. Like, or maybe I read, like, the first, like, stanza or whatever it was. And my cousin came up after me. He's like, dude, you have such, like, a soothing voice. You should do, like, voiceover work or podcasts. And I was like, you know I've had a podcast for, like, three years. Oh. <laughs> he was like, you do? What's it about? And I was like, the Power Rangers. <laughs> he was like, oh. And then he just shows his giant Power Rangers lightning <laughs> he, bolt tattoo. He had a lightning bolt tattoo down his, down his chest. He actually, my cousin is very tatted up, so it... Wouldn't have been that surprising, but still a little surprising. Mm. Yeah. Most of his tattoos are actually, and I think Abby will appreciate this, are very um, nautically themed. Oh, I love that. He, uh, like, one of the big bonding things he had with his father uh, was, like, fishing, and he always loves, like, mm. being on the ocean. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love your reading voice. And again, Dan, I'm not being inauthentic when I say that was wonderful. I have never said that you were inauthentic. I know. I just worry... That I get such high praise that I, I want to make sure it's deserved. No, it is. Don't um, worry. It is just, deserved. Just keep delivering it like that, and we, it's always going to be deserved. Yeah. Well, thank you. No. I do need to I need to come up with another female voice, because I think I did the same exact one for the bridge. Mm. Um, but I will... Still a good one. Uh, yeah. The only other female voice I, I regularly bust out is, like, the Monty Python, like, old woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. You're coming down for dinner, love. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Sort of. So I, this was a very traditional, traditional Wendigo story. Yeah. Um, where it's just creature in the woods eats you. Yeah. You know? I'd say the most uh, widely exposed Wendigo story yeah. comes from Marvel. Oh. Uh, the Wendigo is a Hulk villain. Oh, oh, yes. I actually did know. Uh, where it's basically this like Sasquatch looking thing um, that... Did indeed. It, it's just a, it's a normal person that has cursed the Wendigo um, that got from cannibalism, but strong enough to go toe to toe with the Hulk. Wow. Um, and oh, oh, and also Wolverine because he's Canadian, and anytime stories take place in Canada, they ship Wolverine out. That's very cool. right. Yeah. The uh, you mentioned Sasquatch, and I had, I had been telling you guys before the podcast I had a little bit of a Sasquatch story. Oh, oh yes, that's yeah, right. Come on. That. Uh, I can I can tell now. Seems very relevant. Yes. And it's it's really and I think it is relevant in that it's more of a Sasquatch paranoia story than anything. Okay. But this is a sto- is one of my favorite stories of my life. Um oh, wow. An honor. So, I was in uh my family, uh, my step family anyway, uh would always go to rural Canada and Ontario to like the, my grand my step grandfather was from this very very small neighborhood called Rideau Ferry, uh, which is really just like a couple of buildings that are on like a narrow section of this lake. And uh, 
this is a little bit of a spoiler. It won't be too much of a spoiler, but like there is a little bit of a creepiness that we're planning on doing in a later episode around this whole place. And I can't wait to talk about that. But this has nothing to do with any of the horror stories, not horror stories, but any of the ghost stories you hear about Rito Ferry. But we're in Rito Ferry. Uh, the whole family's up there. I was 16 at the time. Maybe 17. 16 or 17. And my cousin at the time was 22. And we're very much at that age of like, okay, we're on a family vacation, but like we kind of want to bust loose and like do stuff. Um, and so everyone had kind of fallen asleep. And we were out like by the fire. And uh, like the last like adult was kind of falling asleep. And, and it was one of the, like, it was my uncle Steve, who's like of the parents around would have been the one who would be like kind of okay with us sneaking off to do something and we had started to hear this loud music playing and uh from like somewhere out on the lake and we're like okay we're gonna crash this party and (laughs) nice and that's very bold and brave it was i was shocked that as like a 16 year old I, i went along with this but my cousin is like a very very He's very cool, and uh, that always helps. Yes, you're cool too, Dan. <laughs> oh, thank you. I got cool later, but he was a, an inspiration for me being cool. Uh, so <laughs> we we drank a little bit, and then we went uh, out on the like. There's like a main road that kind of stretches around the Rito, and um, we're on the the main road, and it's late, so it's dark, and we were maybe like a little bit buzzed, but it wasn't anything crazy. And we're going, and it's like, one of the things we didn't think about was the fact that, like, sound carries really well over water. So, like, this was, like, maybe, like, three miles away. Yep. That we walked down a road till we finally hear the music, like, playing, like, really loud. And we're like, okay, we found it. And we go, and what we thought was, like, a raging party was, like, seven people. (laughs) It was, uh, like, these Canadian guys who had rented a lake house, and they had, like, some friends from Ireland that had come over, and they were all there. We hang out with them. And they uh, were just like, yeah, cool, come in. Well, the thing was, they were all by the fire, and we come in, and, like, they totally should not have, like, let us crash the party. But we were like, we we, we we'd come so far that we, like, weren't going to turn back. And they were just like, whatever. And we, one of the things that we did that was truly obnoxious was we didn't bring anything. Like, we should have brought, like, a six-pack or something. Right. And so they were not happy about like half of them were not happy half of them were like whatever we uh <laughs> we drank we did a little bit of drugs socialized i guess but like not well mingled <laughs> we mingled they weren't they were not thrilled about us being there so we didn't last very long but at this point we're kind of drunk we're a little high and we leave and now it's like 1:32 in the morning and we're walking the 3 miles back and my cousin is a very uh, supernaturally anxious person. Okay. I can relate. And we're walking down this, des- you know, like really just deserted rural road at two in the morning, having imbibed in lots of stuff. And we, sp- <laughs> we spend the next hour walking. And like we're also really drunk. So I'm going to demonstrate something with my hands. But we're basically, we keep serpentining in and out so we kept going from like being on the shoulder lanes of the road and then coming back in the middle and then veering out again while my cousin the whole time is going we're gonna get fucking eaten by sasquatch man we're gonna get eaten by sasquatch i can feel it like and i'm, I'm like 16 i'm like we're not gonna get eaten by sasquatch we're gonna make it back we're gonna make it back alive i swear 
and it was like it took us a long time to get back but like my cousin's fear was so real that we were either a gonna be abducted by aliens or b eaten by sasquatch how topical for both and i'm yeah check out our alien abduction episode and I'm just very glad, I think, that at the time I didn't know about the Wendigo. Oh, yeah. Because that would have made things... That's a whole level, because then, you know, you just, you're at a three-mile walk, you know, you want to bring up as much pertinent conversation as you can, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, hey, by the way, let me tell you all about the Wendigo. But that was my my brush with severe Sasquatch paranoia. Well, it's funny. I actually did a post on Patreon. It was one of my early posts when I really got into like a regular posting schedule Um, and started doing like deep dives into like these hauntings and myths and things. And the first one I did was on like Sasquatch and Yeti. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating because similar to kind of what we talked about in the last episode with alien abductions, there's a huge community of people who really, really, truly believe in them and so, like, looking at, like, the original Yeti thing, and this could be a whole episode, but, like, reaching, looking at the original Yeti, like, sighting, the guy who was responsible for that came out and said that he made it up. Like, and there's still all of these people, like, there's people, there's YouTube videos of people coming out every day of, like, Yeti hunters who go into the woods, and they're like, oh, we saw him there. He threw rocks at us. And I've watched hours of YouTube content on this, and I've seen no like YouTube cat, like there's so many videos that are like captured Yeti watch, like no actual images or imagery of anything that could be a Yeti or a Sasquatch. Yeah, Isn't the Yeti Himalayan though? Yeah. Yeah. But the, it's, it's like a regional terms. There's like, if you actually look it up, there's like 30 or 40 different Yeti Sasquatch creatures pending on gotcha. geography. So they're the same thing. So Sasquatch is the North American Yeti. It's no, it's even regionalized more than that. Where Sasquatch is certain parts of the U.S., yes. but yes, because wow. like you'd have like an abominable snowman, which would right. probably be closer relationally to the Yeti. Right. To the but there's South American versions. There's like Antarctic ver- Like it's everywhere. So we're gonna have an upcoming episode have, on the Yeti. Have we yeah, done? We have you guys done an episode about Chipacabra? No. I would love to talk about Chipacabra. Oh, Chipacabra. We could do that too. But these are great ideas. Are you writing them down, Alan? He might have gotten snubbed no. on my team. I kind of feel bad about that. I probably should throw Chipacabra in there. Why? Chipacabra is just a He's mange, little guy. mange dog. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's your strongest I'll, I'll, I'll keep with werewolves. I th- No. Uh, I think we could do a whole episode on South American um, mythological beasts. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, or we could even just Chupacabra, do that. Chupacabra, um Yeah, I forget about that. Yeah, you know a lot about those. What the hell is the third one? There's only three. We'll be, by the time but, we do it, we'll be Oh, prepared. we're going to be so prepared. Yeah. Conquistadors. Um, Conquist- yeah. Oh, the, the Ghosts mo- of the Conquistadors. The, that would be Just the, the white man. Yeah. Exactly. The most monstrous Most terrifying, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actual historical yeah. basis on. <laughs> Lots of documented research. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. This episode was really fun. I know Wendigos are something Alan has been waiting for, so I'm glad that we finally got to do this. That was fun. Um, and Dan, as always, thank you so much for being on. It's a freaking pleasure. Very, very welcome. Love the conversation. Love, love you reading. Love everything you do. Um, and yeah, if you want to donate to Covenant House, we'll put a link below. Definitely check out from Alpha to Z, which is Dan's 
Power Rangers podcast with Avi Dobkin. Uh, definitely subscribe to our podcast, Lunatics Radio Hour, if you want more content like this. You can also check out short films that we make, which are horror and science fiction themed on YouTube at Films About Lunatics. We're also Films About Lunatics on Etsy, where we sell merch and stickers and, uh, and indie magazines that we put out, which are always themed in very similar spooky ways. You can also check us out on Patreon at Films About Lunatics if you want even more core content in your life, which I know you all do. So thank you guys so much again. We appreciate you more than you know. And until next time. Goodbye. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, Consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.